Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. My name is Daniel, and on the program today, I have a conversation with Gretchen England. She's done over the years a lot of coaching with ministers and Christians and believers through nonprofits, through churches, on how to walk with the Lord over the course of a lifetime. So, in our conversation, I hope you'll be able to glean a lot of information on how to trust in God. We spent a lot of time talking about trust and what that means, and then also being honest with yourself before God. So, I hope you enjoy the program. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. My name's Daniel, and I'm joined today by Gretchen England. How are you, Gretchen? I'm very well, thank you. Welcome to the program, Gretchen. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Would you please tell our audience a little bit about who you are and some of the ministry that you currently do? Sure, I will. Uh, I am just based right outside of Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I have been in various ministries with churches and parachurch sorts of ministries for, I suppose, about 35 plus years. And um, some of them have been uh, teaching small groups or one-on-one mentoring, which I still do one-on-one mentoring with leaders and or people who are um, working and wanting to re-engage God in some way, or perhaps they want to sort of move to a next step. One of the things I love doing is meeting with people and helping them identify what is that one place, if there's that one hill they could perhaps get past or through, and then I'll walk alongside them. Uh, Was also involved uh, in your area there in the Vancouver area with Aero Leadership for many, many years. And uh, again, my heart and desire is to see leaders in particular be able to know not only who they are in Christ, but uh, that their own walk with God would be uh, not just dynamic, but real and engaged with where God has placed them and that they are honest with themselves and whoever they're serving. So I always involved in things like that. So right now I'm mentoring, I'm doing special projects, uh, but my background, I've really just worked with a lot of different ministries and organizations over the years, maybe three decades or so. So that's kind of who I am. And I love God and I'm grateful for the grace of God in my own life. And if I can help leverage someone up uh, half an inch, half a centimeter, whatever it takes, then um, I'd sure like to do that. Mm-hmm. You are a disciple maker. Right. And I think kind of what you explained too with the the nonprofit side of that and being able to come at it from different angles is super necessary and uh, and very valuable, I think, to have outside voices and outside perspectives. I want to hone in on something you just said there earlier, which was, you know, inviting people to be honest with themselves. Right. And what does that mean uh, to be honest with oneself as you follow Christ? I'll tell you some of my experience, but I'm very aware that. It's not everybody's experience. Part of it is, I think that there is this misnomer, Daniel, that you need to be a certain way when you approach God. 
if you are a follower of Christ, which I know many of your listeners are, or at least seriously exploring relationship with Christ, I think that there's this tendency to think that we need to, to look good. We need to be good. We need to manage our goodness. And uh, then probably things with God will be better. And that's really a big lie <laughs> because I, I can't manage my life without God. And if I'm not willing to acknowledge the broken places, the places that don't work very well, uh, I'm not being honest with myself. I'm not being authentic. I, I, I think that's uh, far from authentic. Um, I had a mentor many years ago. Uh, his name is Leighton Ford, a wonderful, wonderful man. I think he's near 90 now. We were talking about in, integral life. You know, what, what is that? And he said, basically, it's that your inside and your outside are the same person. And I, I have appreciated that. And I actually remember he used a board and he was used writing pictures and different things. And I thought to myself, I had to ask myself the question, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, am I, am I Gretchen inside and outside that's the same Gretchen or are there two different ones? In other words, what do I cover up? And I think with God, the question you're asking is, it's important. You, know, you have a long, you know, you yourself have said you have a long history with God. Well, as a missionary kid and a pastor kid, I wonder if you ever, were you aware of you kind of needed to make the mark because you were a missionary kid or a pastor kid. It's hard to be authentic and go, oh, shoot, today, well, I'm a screw up today, truth be told. What do you think? Well, absolutely. I So growing up as a pastor's kid, um, I, like we kind of just discussed before the program that I came to faith, you know, I prayed the, the prayer when I was like six years old. And so faith was always encouraged in my life. Faith was always encouraged. Like anytime I went to go to my re a retreat with, with youth, my parents always made sure that could happen, right? If I ever wanted to invest in my education uh, of following the Lord, you know, like, hey, I want to buy this book. My parents are always willing to, you know, support that financially. And so I had a, a very positive relationship growing up as a pastor's kid, which uh, is unique because I've had other pastor kid friends, peers of mine who've definitely not had the same experience, right? They kind of had, you know, in the prodigal son story, you have a son who, who like rebels. And uh, I saw a lot of my friends rebel. I would say that um, I grew a deep, um, I, I loved, I loved the church and I always felt like the church was a home. And so I, I had always enjoyed um, the, the benefits of the church. However, like when I got into high school, this, this piece of the authentic self and kind of self-discovery, trying to figure out who I was going to be, I, I kind of noticed that I began to live two lives, right? And it was, it was more in like grade 11 when I finally was like, you know what, I could either, my, my dad had asked me as a pastor's kid to have a very public type of ministry being the worship leader at youth. And so the internal me wanted to go, uh, I was an athlete, I was a jock, I wanted to go and party with friends and, uh, you know, that was kind of where my heart was at. I was like, I wanted to make a name for myself as this athlete. At the same time, I felt that um, to stand in front of other Christians, lead them in worship while I was pursuing something else would have been disingenuous. It would have been 
not authentic, right? And uh, that never sat well with me and my convictions. So I ended up actually really following uh, Christ and, and finding sweetness and identity there. However, I mentioned the prodigal son story. Where I went wrong is I actually kind of became the older brother in the prodigal son story, where growing up through church, living a very strict life, right, trying to like make sure my inner life and my outer life lined up, I began to lack a lot of grace. And, uh, and so I kind of became pharisaical and, and judgmental towards other believers in the, way, in the ways that they were struggling. Because as I've grown in the Lord, and I'm, I'm sure that you have seen ebbs and flows of people uh, through ups and downs, right? In my limited amount of life, I've seen some of that. Uh, but when I was younger, I didn't have a category for that. It was either you're going to be righteous and follow God or you're rebellious. And I... And I I guess part of being authentic is realizing in a broken world, as a broken person who wholly depends on Christ, I need him. And so I kind of became more pharisaical. So, I, okay, I appreciate that because the my husband, Randy, he grew up in a home where he has faith with God. He's been walking that life for a long time. Me, the you know, kind of the very opposite. And I, I, I think that no matter where you come from or part of those pieces is the more myself, you, you know, your listeners can be just honest. Where are you at? What are your thoughts? Are you transparent with God or do you guard places in your life? Uh, or the question of that you're alluding to uh, either cross the line or stay on this side. Don't straddle. You know, so, so it's that idea of, when you're, uh, you know, a young adult age, 18 to 30, somewhere in there, there are those times where it's right in front of you. You can go around it, you can go above it, but somewhere along the line, you have to sort of decide, am I going to be who I am and make these choices? Or am I going to just kind of keep being circuitous about different things? And really not ever making a decision. It's a, a little bit uh, of a reflection of a double-minded person, sometimes brought up in the New Testament. The double-minded person can't go anywhere, can't do anything. So I think that honesty with yourself, your honesty with God about what's going on in your life, whether you are, you know, kind of a judgmental son of a gun or not, uh, maybe you are ambivalent. You just kind of don't care. So what do you do now? You know, what's behind that? Or maybe you're just hiding and whatever, you know, or rebelling, whatever it is. But that honesty piece, we have to ask ourselves at some point, young adulthood, I would argue is a great time to do it. Who am I? What do I really think is real? Like, what are my non-negotiables? And get to land on those, especially in relationship to God, because he's not saying, uh, I hope Gretchen hurries up, or I hope Daniel figures this out pretty soon. He's looking for a relationship, but he needs a yes, right? He needs a yes somewhere. Absolutely. And that's the the piece there is honesty with yourself um, is easy. Uh, and and what, what I mean is honesty with God and honesty with yourself is easy when there's a relationship. And it's in the same way that uh, with those close to you, you're willing to talk about things. You're willing to open up because that's what it means to get to know somebody. And one of the unique pieces of Christianity is that it, in the end, is relationship. And, I mean, you look throughout the New Testament, so many of Jesus' illustrations 
are all about different relationships within a family, within uh, society. So the Christian faith is one deep in relationship. But when you, okay, so when you talk about non-negotiables for a young adult, what would some of those be for those who like, you know, or maybe they're listening to this and they're thinking, you know, I'm kind of in the middle here. Like I, what, what should some non-negotiables of faith be when it, you know, when it comes to the Bible, for example? Yeah. Okay. Red hot, right? It's red. It's a red hot question. Uh, for every young adult I know, they are in the middle of a incredibly broken culture, thousands of opportunities out there. So what is it? What does it look like to, to say, what are my non-negotiables? So what I would urge is, okay, there's a decision. What is going to be your anchor? You can say, I'll go with the wind. You, you, and you can. Many people do go with the wind. And they will make this decision left, this decision right. And they're comfortable doing that. But I would contend that if there is a young adult listening that is saying, I think I'm just kind of in the, in the, you know, in the middle of the court, I'm not left, I'm not right. I'm sort of just in the middle of the court. I, I would say there's, first of all, there's the number one question. Do you know whose you are? And this is not a maybe, this is a, I do know whose I am or I don't. So there is a starting place. There is a non-negotiable starting place. Do you know whose you are? If you're yourselves, okay, what are you going to do with that? If you know I am God's, hands down, anything happens to me, anything going around me that's working or not working or difficult or not, I at least know I belong to Jesus Christ. So I think there is a starting point of understanding that there is an anchor of Jesus Christ in your life. And if not, go find it. <laughs> go go find the friend. I mean, I always say, if, if you're in the room, you don't know what to do, uh, and you're sort of floating and unsure, go to the doorway. Open the door. Jesus is right there. He is right there, ready to listen to my uh, Jesus, I'm in the middle of the room. I kind of don't even care. I would like to care, but I don't. I don't know exactly whose I am. I have sort of a relationship with you, but it's really not very great. Where do I go now? It's, it's a great place to start. And sometimes people won't start at that place because it's a little messy, right? It, it's a very honest place. Yes. And it's a messy place. So, but if you don't start there, you can't, you, 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 it's going to be more difficult to get to the place where. I know I belong to Jesus Christ, and I know his word is an anchor. I know that it's true. So when I'm looking at what's going on around me, the Bible, God's word actually has something to say about that. So it can be a bunch of words that's not going to work for anybody. A bunch of words isn't going to work for anybody. It has to be out of the relationship, and those words are the reflection of God. So. Yeah, is, am I making sense here some? Absolutely. Well, and, and the piece that I'm picking away from that is, okay, um, honesty is saying, coming to God, speaking to him, saying, I'm in the middle here. I want to believe, you know, help my unbelief, right? Which, 
you know, we are more than welcome to ask that of God. And, we, and, and by doing that in relationship, we're asking for his help, which, by the way, is the first step of humility and is the first step of any believer is, God, I can't do this on my own. So I'm going to need you to, to help me or to come through in this way. And it's amazing to watch how he does. You will. And you and you talked about a second ago about, so, okay, if you do that, so what are the non-negotiables? I don't think they're black and white, first of all. there's That's just not the way life is. I, I, I really wish it was. But knowing if you do belong to Christ, that you begin to pay some attention to what does that really mean, both from the Word of God standpoint, the Bible, and from those other Christ followers that you know, but we have to be careful that we do not live in it as an island. That's not how we were made and created. Uh, the, the non-negotiable of, of will I actually believe and employ, if you will, what God has told me in scripture? What will I do with uh, what I'm facing right now? So for example, I'm, I'm not going to make it a discussion, but just for a fairly hot button, if we were to get into a discussion about gender identity, about male and female, the LGBTQ era, if you will, we could have a, a very, very, very bold discussion about, does Jesus say anything in his word? Does God say anything in his word that would be helpful, that would speak into culture, that would speak into me as a believer, that would speak into that whole milieu? Yes, yes. Now, when you get into these sticky topics, you, you have to go in, and you used the word earlier, Daniel. If you don't go in with humility and say, God, what is it that you say? How did you make us? Am I yours? How do we relate with one another in this culture, in this place? If you don't know, you're going to go with the wind. You're going to blow left. You're going to blow right. So a non-negotiable of knowing God, knowing that you belong to him, that his word has something to say about the most difficult of topics, as well as the most easiest of topics. Like, how about love God, love one another? If you have a situation in front of you and you don't know what to do, God's word says two things, crystal clear. Love him, love others. Can't go wrong. That's, you're completely right. That is one of the things that I am constantly uh, telling young adults. Like, it reminds me of all the conversations uh, especially with some of the youth ministry I do and then young adults. It's like, what are, what's God's plan for my life? What should I be doing? What school should I go to? What, uh, you know, what job should I take? Should I take a gap year? Like there's lots of real practical questions. And it, it's funny, like you mentioned the gray area. There's The gray area is love God and do what you want. He, like he has placed desires, passions on your heart. Pursue those things. And if he, if that's not what he has for you, like make no mistake, that school will fall through or something and you will not end up there. Like th there will be things that shift as he directs your steps. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So young adulthood is a time when you're, you're, you're making those decisions. And if you're, if you're saying, let's just take the one of, uh, you know, you're 19, 20, maybe 21. And you're asking that question, what do I do? Where do I go? So you, you know, part of it is understanding that, God has made you who you are. So understanding who you are, understanding your gifts, your natural talents. And I love that you said, Daniel, the desire, because sometimes people go, oh, well, I, I, I need to find something, you know, really godly 
or <laughs> all, and I'm like, well, good, but what desires has he put into your life? I mean, you know, no, if, if, you know, if your desire is, you know, destructive, we know that that wouldn't be God's way, but using those desires and looking and saying, God, what do you, what is it that you've put in front of me? That's important to me. Is there a passion that you've put in my life? Is there something in your word that even speaks to that passion? Um, you know, uh, I, I, you'll have to forgive me for not remembering the address exactly, exactly in the Old Testament. But those, for example, that were charged to make some of the fabrics and some of the pieces inside of the temple, they were artisans. They, and they made, I wish we could have had photographs back then, but beautifully, read the descriptions, they're just unbelievable. So people who are artists sometimes say, well, but I'm an artist, I, you know, I need something practical, I need some money. Yes, God's word says you are supposed to look after your financial responsibilities. But if you're an artist, be an artist, wherever you can be an artist. You know, so anyway. So I just I just think looking at what does God say about about certain things in the word of God, one of the things he also is asking is, will you trust me? Yeah. Trust is difficult because um, trust is amazing when it works both ways, but I think we're afraid of trusting people sometimes because of times where we have been let down, right? And it feels like you're walking alone. And when you before you take that plunge of faith, that's kind of, I think, a question a lot of us are wrestling with. I'll tell you, you know, I've known Jesus for, um, been walking with him for over 40 years. And there's days where I say, you know, I don't know which direction to go this way or that way. I don't understand this. And I sit down and sometimes I just simply open up a, maybe a familiar passage in the Bible. And I say, God, remind me what you say is true because I need to make a decision. I need to go a certain direction. I think that you're showing me this way, but I don't know. And, you know, maybe all of a sudden I, I find myself reading in, you know, Ephesians four, you know, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. Well, that might answer a question for me. Uh, you know, that might answer a question of what was I supposed to do regarding this issue and that issue related to this person. Well, you know what? Maybe underneath that, the Spirit of God is kind of tapping, you know, a little bit saying, you know, Gretchen, you weren't tender toward that person. You really haven't forgiven that person. Look what Christ has done for you. Why don't you give that what you've been given? Why don't you give that? And then all of a sudden, my decision is a lot clearer. So, you know, we say sometimes, oh, the Bible doesn't relate, blah, 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 blah. I think, no, it's just because you maybe haven't been spending as much time in the Bible or in the Word, because the Spirit of God will, will bring something to mind or will use um, a story, a passage, an account to redirect you and get your sail going in the other direction if you're, if you're willing. Like you talked about a school thing for someone making a decision. Uh, and you said, well, that school just might fall by the wayside. It won't work uh, for, for a young adult uh, at a particular um, educational decision. And I think, yeah, the Spirit of God will do that. Now, we can do the opposite. We can, in our minds, say, oh, God, anything you want. And then they say, well, if you put $500 down or whatever, and you do it because you want it so bad, 
but the spirit of God has been calling you, like, for example, into a culinary school. And you're saying, in the back of your mind, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. But you've been reading scriptures like trust in the Lord with all of your heart, but you're afraid. And so finally, you know, that antenna goes up. The word of God is, is, you know, just gently pressing on your mind and saying, trust me. So you don't put the $500 down and you go and you apply at the culinary school. I mean, so the, God's word will guide you. The spirit will bring it to mind or bring you to something if you say yes. And if you, if you will trust God, but it's not, oh, God, help me trust you. Well, you know what? It's really not necessary. Because if I said, Daniel, I really want to trust you. Okay, you're, you're human and I don't know you well, so I, I'm going to have some questions. With God... It's not about, oh, God, help me trust you. It's, God, I will choose to trust you because you're 100% trustworthy. I will choose to trust you. And then you move on your way. You know what I'm saying? Often we're like, I can't trust God on this. Well, no, what you're saying is, I don't know that I want to trust God on this. Yeah. And that's where the desires piece gets in the way. Is because love God and do what you want, but what if you want is different than what God has for you? That's a difficult balance, and I don't know the answer to that. But in my experience, God has drawn me, not always, but towards things that I love. But then again, he's held me in things that I didn't love for a purpose that I didn't know. And that was... Okay, and how did you deal with that? I'm Okay, I'd like to hear that. Well... How did you deal with being held in something that you didn't love... But you, I'm hearing you say, I yeah. really thought God wanted me to remain there. How did you do it? So I did it horribly. And let me give you the example is um, I went to Chicago area to play football. I uh, was recruited, played one year of football. And to say I played was an exaggeration. Like I, I rolled the bench. I was just like, I, I played, you know, I was, I was like a freshman, seventh string quarterback or whatever. By my second year, I'm a third string QB. Didn't want to play. I was just so done with it. I was like, the coach's son was the first string and he was so much better than me. Like I was never going to see the field, had no respect for my coaches. We had a new, uh, some other new coaches. One of them I really admired. The other one I just could not stand. And, uh, I'm, and of course I'm stuck with that coach the most. So I just, there was nothing in me. I didn't respect these coaches. This one particular coach led out of a place of fear. And so I was just like, God, I will stick around and do this. If you know, you, you've called me to, to the school to play football. Um, so I, I'll stay on the team to be a witness for you. And ultimately, but I kept praying all summer. Can you give me an answer whether I should do it or not? And I got no answer for so long. No answer, no answer, no answer. So I, I did the season. And where I went wrong is instead of fully lining into that, trusting in God and his call, I became resentful, frustrated, angry, and, and mad at God to the point where like in my head, I believed. In my heart, I didn't, right? I didn't believe what God was doing, you know, through me. Uh, I, I didn't trust in that, didn't believe in it. I was frustrated, angry, um, you know, and it led to some rebellion in my own life. And, um, so all that to say, I didn't do it well. And I hope that on the next occasion I will. Yes. Yeah. That issue of being, can I just say the phrase being disappointed in God? It's real. It's very real. And, um, and th those are hard seasons when we're, when, when we really realize we're just disappointed in God and, 
that is the time where you have got to learn as a man or woman who follows Jesus, you have got to learn to go up to the hypothetical collars of God's shirt and take those collars and say, I'm so terribly disappointed. I don't know why this happened or what we're going to do. I'm going to trust you, but I'm angry and I'm frustrated. And then you just, you sometimes you have to just wait a minute and let the spirit of God speak to you and correct you or challenge you or maybe comfort you or maybe maybe give you a redirect at that moment. And that's where I go back to with those I'm working with and those I have worked with. Please go back and let the word of God continue to melt like butter in your soul because those are the things that are going to come to mind right in the middle of those disappointments, difficulties, or whatever it is, or cultural decisions you're making, whatever they are. Those are the times where you're going to be there at that moment. And all of a sudden you hear, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I've continued my faithfulness to you. You know, so you can, so you can breathe a little bit and go, like in your situation, or I, I, I've had jillions of those. Oh, that's right. Okay. God, I don't get it at the moment, but you love me. You're doing something in in my life, through my life, that's that, that's good. And in fact, it's going to affect a wider audience someday. But right now, I just need to trust you. So so I just think I, I, I just want people to know the word and know their Bible just uh, just a few steps better because those are the very things that the Spirit of God does bring to mind. Yeah. Uh, just to tie a bow on that, I mean, living that way is terrifying, right? It's terrifying because in a sense, there's nothing that God, when we live in a way of grace and, and everything is given to us by grace, like we're not earning our salvation. There's nothing that God can't ask of us, right? He's given everything for us. There's nothing he can't ask in return. However, it's also the most exciting way to live. And and when you catch a vision of that excitement, it's going to transform the way you live uh, and going to drive you towards God. You know, we'll bring it home here with um, with this, this discussion on the Bible. I mean, relationship with God should drive us towards the Bible. For those who maybe are new to the faith, having a hard time of faith, Gresham, where would you start in, again, getting a deep love and rhythm of the Word of God? Well, the first place I would start actually is not the place that most people start, I would not encourage people to have their very first thing to be sitting down with their Bible alone. Okay, that, that's that I'm I'm going to get apples and tomatoes thrown at me for that. So the and the reason is simply that the body of Christ is various pieces, various parts of the body, they work together. So for you to be with your Bible just alone, you're not experiencing and understanding God in community, in the body of Christ, uh, you're just doing it just alone. And so anybody who is newer to the faith or needs a refresh or a reset, I say, if you can possibly start with a, one friend, uh, a, a small group, if you're a part of a church, or something that puts you in a community setting where you are learning God's word together. I would much 
rather encourage that as a start. Not to say individually is bad, completely not saying that. I'm just saying if you have the remote option of a local church, a Zoom group, or a uh, or a face-to-face group where you're looking at God's word together, whether it's a Bible study, a life group, or something, that would be the place that I would say, go for that first. And then whether it is available to you or not, then second, kind of go starting with your Bible. And, you know, Daniel, you, you've mentioned that you've known Christ for many years. And, and you know that to sit down someplace or to stand up with your Bible app on your phone or, or an actual physical Bible, like the first question is, uh, where do I open to? Like you just don't even, you don't even know whether it's a reset or a start. I would say probably to most people, I would say a couple places. If you're sort of a history buff by nature, I would say start at first and second Samuel. Why? Well, because it's written in story form. It's the account of people's life. It is has a lot of history. And of course, with, with now what's going on, uh, unfortunately, we need to be praying, of course, for the Middle East, such difficulty. Uh, we can start in first and second Samuel, I would say, do an OP method, okay? Observe and pray, meaning you read a chapter and you observe something, anything. What's one observation you make that sort of intrigues you, interests you, and pray? God, okay, it looks like this person was called by you very specifically in this hunt in First Samuel. I'm going to pray. I would like to learn to hear you, God. Would you please help me hear you? Amen. That's your time with God. You read a chapter, you make an observation, and you pray. Or if you're not really a history buff, I would probably go up to the New Testament. I'd probably go start with the book of John because there's so many accounts of what Jesus is doing and and uh, very relational and just wonderful accounts of, of his time on earth and some of the prep. And then after his resurrection, it's it's excellent. So again, make it simple. Read a chapter. If you can't do that, read half the chapter. An OP, an observation and a prayer. Super simple. I would say do that for, you know, if you can do something like that to get you started and then start to ask people, you know, you get that started for a month or something, ask people what are they doing or get um, use the Bible app. There's so many things that you can do. You can use an quote unquote old fashioned Bible study book, but the Bible app has great stuff. But you have to start somewhere. I'd say bite size. You don't have to do an exegetical, which means a basically tearing it apart, regurgitating it, and making it useful. You do not have to do that with the whole book of John. If you just read even the first few verses, in the beginning was the word, and the words were with God, and the word was God. You know, just start there. Like, oh, wow. In the beginning? Okay. Oh, I wonder what the beginning was. God, I want to know what the beginning was. That's my prayer today. Show me what the beginning was. You have to start simple and not be uh, not be afraid that simple is wrong or childish or anything else. You're you're completely speaking my language, and th- what I mean by that is what you're describing is a slow a slow reading, a slow obedience of following God, and that's a lot of the Christian life. Is it's actually not fast. It's slow. And in particular, education, right? Learning something takes a long time. We, we live in a microwave society 
right? Where everything's pretty instant. Like you can watch a movie very quickly. It just shows up on your Netflix, right? You can order something on Amazon. It's there in like a day and a half, right? Two days. Um, but with education, there's a reason that degrees take four years. And if you want to do a master's, master's, now you're at seven years. If you want to become a doctor, sometimes people are looking at with med school, like 11 years. Education takes a long time. And this, we should apply that same principle to the study of the Bible too. It just, it just takes time. But over time, you'll look back a year later and be like, oh, wow, I, I did learn a lot. Right. And I would say for, for those who grew up in a home or an environment where they were around the word of God a lot, you can become a little numb to it. Why does that happen? Sometimes it happens because people know the content, but they don't know the power of God. So they, you know, they all of a sudden say, you know, if any of you lack wisdom, let me ask of God to give generously without reproach and, you know, give, he'll give, but don't let your mind be two-sided, um, et cetera, et cetera, from James chapter one. I can know the words, but if I have never been in a situation where I've asked God for wisdom, I've received wisdom from him. I know it is from him, i.e. not me, i.e. supernatural, not natural from Gretchen. If I don't recognize the power of the word of God at work, it's just content. I don't want content. Nobody right now wants content. We're done with content. Show me, you know, show me where God is at work and let me be involved in that. Let me know the word of God and see where the word of God is living and active. You know, in Hebrews chapter four, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, you know, piercing the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God can do that, can discern where I'm at, what I'm thinking. But we have to be ready for a supernatural encounter, not one that we naturally figure out. That's the enlightenment period. No, we can make rationalization be our God, but how about if we just make God our God? Yeah, and guess what? Circles back to relationship, right? It's relationship. And that's in the end. Like, the study should fuel the relationship. The study's useless if it just puffs you up and makes you know a little bit more about the Bible if it doesn't actually draw a deeper affection for God himself and a deeper love because that's the type of thing that'll get you through difficult seasons and will make it even sweeter in joyful seasons. I agree. I would say that those times in my life where I have been close to the lower end of the valley, that just going to God's word and reading something, for example, in the Psalms, that, you know, his angels will give charge of you. Well, I don't think, Daniel, I don't think of angels very often. I, I don't know about you, but I just don't. You know, there's been times where I'm like, oh, man, okay, I don't even see that. But he is... He's got something going on there that I don't even know. I'm not alone. God is, he'll just send whatever he needs sent. Or I'm not sure how I'm, how I'm ever going to, you know, bring the good news of Jesus to this person and, you know, pray all night. And then they sit down and the next day at coffee and they say, I, I wish I could have Jesus in my life. I wonder how. And I think, oh, oh, okay, Lord. You know, so I, I just think there's tough, tough situations that, that we are going to have. And unless we have it, if we haven't started with the anchor of God's word, it's, it's going to get very, very, very rough in the end. And I just think that for young adults now, I really do understand why it could be boring. I understand that. But what I'm going to say is if it is God's word and indeed I'm, 
I believe it is 100%, then there's something that it has to say to you and for you and with you and with others in the body of Christ, because he is kind, he will be returning. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's, he, and he wants us ready. And so if we want to understand the times right now, these are weird. If you don't know who God is and what's going on in the world, you don't know what the Bible says about it. Boy, go look, go look. This is no surprise to anybody. Most of us who know the Lord, this is no surprise. Definitely. Um, well, Gretchen, thank you for this conversation. This has been an amazing ebb and flow of what I took away most today is here's how you walk with God and here's how you just slowly begin to enjoy him and know him more. And so I just, I pray that for our listeners as well, that they'll be able to, to do that. So again, thank you for being on the program. Yeah, it was my pleasure. So thank you very much. Thanks again, Gretchen, for being on the program. And if you want to find out more information about Gretchen England, uh, you can Google her or you can follow her on Twitter at, at Gretchen England. And England is E-N-G-L-U-N-D. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hey, this is Isaac, one of the hosts of In Doubt, a ministry of Good News Global Media. Is it possible that being a Christian young person could be any more complicated than it is today? How do we make right choices and decisions when so many opinions around us seem contrary to what it means to live for Christ? At Indoubt, we hope to help make sense, biblical sense, of those difficult choices, decisions, and the complexity of faith, life, and culture in 2021. So join us every week for another challenging conversation in our response as God's people. For everything in doubt, visit indoubt.com. And if you'd like to help us continue to offer this program, you can make a gift of any amount at indoubt.com or by calling 1-844-663-2424.